Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast, as we are still in quarantine with this crazy time here in the sports industry. But with that being said, I thought with everybody off in the sports industry, I figured I'd try to bring some professionals onto the game. And so far, I've brought my first, in fact, she is the first MLB and NHL sideline reporter to come on the show very excited to have her. Got to meet her last year in Cleveland on a road trip with my drinking buddies to see Indians Marlins. She works for Fox Sports Florida, reporter for the Marlins and Panthers. And of course, as soon as I say you betcha, she'll think, oh, that's right, my interview's with Q. Here's Jess Boylock. Welcome to the show, Jess. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Definitely. And I'm sure once you heard once you heard me say you betcha, your first thought was every interview with Q. He ends it that way. <laughs> he has been fantastic to work with this season, and uh, Panther fans are very lucky to have Joel Quenville as their head coach. Yes, because I especially remember him in Chicago. Every single interview that any reporter would have with him, they'd say, thanks, thanks for being on. You betcha. <laughs> that sounds about right. So if you haven't caught it yet, now you do. <laughs> an eye out for it in particular uh, hopefully when we resume hockey soon I know everyone misses it tremendously right now but uh, like you mentioned kind of just crazy times that we're currently living in and uh, you certainly understand why everything is on pause right now yes I remember working at <clears throat> WLEW doing news which believe me for those that are new to listening to me I I'm a, I'm a sports guy Believe me, I want to get back into sports, where right now I took a pit stop in news. It just came as a blip in the radar in the late December from China, the, this COVID-19, and I thought, well, hopefully this doesn't blow over too much. Well, all of a sudden it did. And here we are, everybody's quarantined, sports is on pause for at least a month, and so I will bring up my first point, the question that is, do we have any leads on when hockey's going to return? No, I think everyone's kind of in the same boat. Uh, we're following the lead of the NHL right now and the information that they're putting out. I know that Gary Bettman, the commissioner, and uh, owners, you know, players, everyone is in communication. Everyone's trying to figure out what the plan is going to be, what the plan will look like moving forward. But the problem is just all the uncertainty. You know, we're, we're not in a period of time that has a finite ending. Um, everything is still very ambiguous right now as to when quarantines will come to an end and, and all of that. So, you know, the National Hockey League, as well as Major League Baseball, as well as the NBA, um, you know, everyone's just kind of in the same boat right now where it's all about communicating and uh looking overall at, um, you know, the safety aspects, the health aspect of not just players, coaches, organizations, but the public as well. So until there comes more clarity with the situation, I think as a whole for the country, we're not really going to know what the plan is moving forward for the sports world. Yes. Yeah, so once this... <clears throat> Once the quarantine began, as I'll call it, once Rudy Gobert found out he had COVID-19, the first plan was, okay, two weeks. Now it's, okay, a month. Now it's, 
okay, maybe two months. So this, right. uh, as of right, right. now, so, I mean, yeah. Things are constantly changing at this point, and again, we're we're just more at the mercy of when everything gets back under control, essentially. But that's yeah. also why all of these things that are being put into place, like the importance of social distancing and the importance of you know, putting yourself in quarantine and all of these different things. That's why they're so important because the sooner things get back to normal, quote unquote normal, and the sooner things, you know, get under control, the sooner the, the world of sports returns to us. Right. So, yes. you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a matter of two or three weeks. I, I definitely think it's going to be longer than that, but you know, hopefully, Hopefully it is sooner rather than later, but again, it's it's all at the discretion of the leagues and and how everything pertains to public safety and public health. Yes, and depending on how long this quarantine lasts, is there a chance that we finish the 82-game NHL regular season, or do we perhaps, and this is just me being finite particular, do we even up the amount of games everybody plays, like just hypothetically saying like Florida's perhaps played 61 games while Vegas has played 63. Do we even that out and then start the playoffs or what, what exactly do we do here? Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily a situation that has an easy solution because like you mentioned, not all teams have played the same number of games. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of different scenarios that have been thrown out. You know, there's one scenario of basically having a 24-team playoff. Um, there's a scenario of just basically figuring out a win percentage uh, based on number of games played for each team and then just picking it up with the playoffs. Um, you know, there's there's so many different scenarios that are floating around and there's so many more things than just teams that were on just right at the outside looking in like maybe the Florida Panthers for example like the New York Rangers teams like that that you know you never know how things could have played out had they been able to fit in the final 12 to 13 games um so it's it's a lot bigger than just that it's it's also you know building revenue game revenue how much money teams are, are losing out by maybe losing out on some regular season games I think that also comes into play I think there's a lot of things that come into play that we don't even think about um, that are more than just the games itself. So I think there's going to be a lot of factors that contribute to what ultimately their final decision comes down to. But I, I'm kind of pulling for the, the 2014 playoff scenario because I, I really think you'll get a much better... I guess not representation. I don't know if that's really the right word, but you'll just get a, a much better chance of, of making sure that the right teams get into the postseason. Um, you know, teams that are, are securely in a spot right now, like the, the Boston Bruins and the lightning and the capitals and uh, you know, teams like that, um, the flyers, you know, those teams are securely in, in their yes. in their place. But if you look at both the East and the West, it was such a tight race for those final wild card spots. There were so many teams that were vying for those positions. I'd really like to see how it plays out with a couple more games uh, for all those teams to compete in. 
Yes, but and unfortunately for me, it would have to be a thirty-one team playoff for my for my team to get in. <laughs> then you must be a big fan of uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Yep, Wings fan, and yeah. usually years are usually we have great years, and I'm glad that Steve Eiserman is the is the man in charge now. But this year, at least in my opinion, this year was more of an experimental year to see where the team is at. That's why he didn't get rid of Blagill. And he's probably going to get rid of him at the end of the year, in my opinion. But that's why this and unfortunately, we we are not very good. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to curtail what I really think because so many people well, are going to listen to this, but <laughs> I mean when when you're pulling for a team like the Detroit Red Wings this season, it's all about being completely realistic. And it's one hundred percent a rebuilding season. Um, a rebuilding, not just season, a, an entire rebuild organizationally. Uh, so they have a lot of fun players. I love watching Tyler Bertuzzi. I mean, you see some of the talent that is out there on the ice for the Red Wings. You just know that it's going to take it's going to take a lot of time. Uh, it's going to take utilizing their draft picks wisely uh, because they stockpile a lot of draft picks. But they'll they'll be competitive again. It's just going to be a matter of time. But it's hard for me to feel too bad for Red Wings fans when you guys <laughs> sat there and went to the playoffs for, what was it, 25 straight seasons 25 in a row. seasons. So it's time for you to feel what the rest <laughs> of us have felt at some point or another being a sports fan. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. I get it. Um, I will add that I... Um, Back in September at uh, St. Lawrence Brothers up in Bay City, the Red Wings had an event, and I actually got to meet Tyler Bertuzzi, Andrea Zathanasiu, and uh, Dylan Larkin. And they, they're they're very down-to-earth people. In fact, I told Andrea Zathanasiu yeah. is one of my favorite names in hockey. It's so great. Andreas Athanasiu, Rasmus Ristolainen, that's another good yes. one. There's so many. That was the one thing that always made me nervous about hockey. Um, and the thought of covering hockey was just name pronunciation, <laughs> but it's actually uh, it's it's great to see some of the names in professional hockey. It really is. I'll have to tag you in this post from years back, but I remember watching the World Hockey Championships back in 2014, I think it was, and there was this Kazakhstani uh, hockey player. His last name is Krasnot Slobotsev. Oh it was, man, I did practice that one a few times. It was. <laughs> kind of like Salt to Amakia from used to be from the Braves. They call him armpit to armpit and beyond. Krasnot <laughs> <laughs> Slobotsev from the Kazakhstan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would definitely say that hockey has uh, the most challenges when it comes to uh, correctly pronouncing names. <laughs> definitely. So, moving on from the NHL to the MLB, I actually thought of this. Before we got on the show, in fact, kind of, this was kind of last night as I was thinking before while counting sheep and going to sleep. Um, here's a thought that I had for the MLB: Memorial Day, opening day, 102 games, each series against your your league, like for the Marlins, the NL, four right. game series, one series against every team from the other league, three games. And then the extra game you would have against your common rival, like the like for the Marlins, the Rays, for the Tigers, which I wish it was the Cubs, the Pirates. Um, it would be tough to schedule that evenly for home and home, 
But what are your thoughts on perhaps something like that? Yeah, baseball is going to be uh, really interesting to see what they end up deciding to do because that's another one where we've seen a million scenarios, right? We've seen Mm -hmm. uh, a possible starting Memorial Day weekend, possibly starting uh, June 1st, letting games extend into, letting regular season games extend into October, maybe even November, playing championship games, playing playoff games at neutral sites where they can't be delayed. Um, it's Baseball is going to be very, very interesting to see how they end up handling this because I know, obviously, the, the initial announcement was that opening day was delayed by two weeks. Rob Manfred just said earlier this week that they're not going to start by the middle of April. So you're looking at, you know, most likely May at the earliest where we get things going. And that's an optimistic outlook, you know. So with so many games, and I know how how uh, adamant it, that the league is about getting as many games in as possible, that one's going to be tricky. That one's going to be really tricky to see how they handle it. But, I mean, I, I, I hear you. I, I don't think those are bad ideas at all. I would love to have a Memorial day opening weekend. Um, you know, I want to get baseball started as soon as we possibly can. But again, stepping back, looking at the big picture, you got to make sure that it's in everyone's best interest to get things started. And I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and I'm very curious to see if, if maybe they do get games started in May, do you play with no crowd? And then once things are in a better place, that's when you start bringing the crowds in. I think it was uh, the Orioles, right, who played a yes. game a couple seasons ago with no crowd because of the riots that were going on in Baltimore. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, playing without crowds, I don't think that's totally out of the question either. But it's there, there's no simple answer. And honestly, I really have no idea. Again, it's mm. just reading all of these scenarios that come out. And just thinking about them, weighing the pros and cons, really seeing what's best for everybody. But yeah, baseball is going to be a very, very interesting one to see because I feel like they are going to try and play as many games as possible, as many, many games as they possibly can, especially considering how shortened you're looking at things being right now. You are missing, essentially, if we start in June, you're missing what? two and a half, almost two and a half months of games. That's that's so many considering baseball plays almost every single day. So I I think that's going to be one thing you see the league really trying to come up with a plan where you can still play as many regular season games as possible. Yes. And my thought behind a Memorial Day opening day is I saw that Serie A in Italy is going to be starting back up at the start of May. And Italy was quarantined for about one or two weeks more than we have been so far. And if if baseball is saying mid-May, then throw the calendar back one or two weeks, you got Memorial Day. So I thought, that would would actually be a hell of a start, Memorial Day. (laughs) Yeah, it it would be. It would be a really cool, just really awesome feeling surrounding opening day just knowing how special it is for multiple reasons so yeah i mean we'll see that it's crazy to think about how far off that still is you know but 
hopefully uh, we can all be patient and, and we'll all get there together. And I know everyone will be thrilled when, uh, when we get things going again. Gotcha. And of course, my other question before we move on to uh, more about um, the quarantine, um, have you spoken to Derek Jeter yet? No, no. I mean, I, I went to spring training uh, a handful of times. I was still covering hockey while I was trying to get to spring training, so my schedule was just bananas. Um, I, was, I, you know, I just had a lot going on. So the days that um, <clears throat> Derek Jeter was at spring training, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it there. I was on the road with uh, the Panthers, and then once they shut everything down, I, I haven't seen any players. I haven't spoken with any players. I, I've, I've gotten PR emails. Uh, they've been trying to stay in touch with us. But other than that, when everything kind of shut down, it shut down for good. Gotcha. So that would be, yeah, I'm interested in seeing an interview with Mr. Jeter. So what, what, before we get move on, I'll just say once things get back going, make sure to say hi to some of my, uh, my, my networking friends that I've made, like Kelly Kroll, who just got hired with the Atlanta Braves, um, <clears throat> Sophia Minnard of the Brewers, Julia Morales of the Astros. As you see, I know quite a few people, so make sure they know about this show. <laughs> yes, sounds good. So moving on to um, more stuff about uh, this quarantine. So March is usually a very, very hectic time, as we kind of talked about. What's what would be a typical uh, March in the life of Jess Boylock? Uh, yeah, like I just mentioned, uh, finishing up covering hockey while trying to prepare for baseball. A typical week for me, maybe, you know, Monday, heading to Jupiter for spring training. Tuesday, working a hockey game. Wednesday, getting back to Jupiter for spring training. Thursday, working a hockey game. Friday, maybe taking off to just give myself a breather. Saturday, working a hockey game. I, I mean, that's what March looks like for me because you're you're both trying to wrap up a hockey season, but you're also trying to prepare for the start of a new baseball season. And obviously with how many new players the Marlins added during the offseason, the Corey Dickersons, the Jesus Aguilars, the Jonathan Villars, the Francisco Cervellis, you know, they the Matt Kemp's, the Matt Joyce's, they, they added a, a decent amount of new faces. So it, I also felt like it was important for me to get up to spring training a couple times just to be able to introduce myself uh, to some of the new guys and get to know them a little bit better. So that typically is what March would have looked like for me. Um, and I mean, I would have been getting ready for opening day. Opening day would have been this upcoming Thursday, right? So yeah. I would have been doing a ton of prep this weekend, getting ready for the, the Phillies, for the Nationals, for the Braves, because the Marlins were slated to see a ton of NLS uh, NL East teams to open up the season. So uh, it's uh, obviously March is very different right now compared to what it normally would have been. I've been reading a lot of books. I've been watching a lot of movies, been going on a lot of walks at night um, to just try and get out of the house. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been night and day difference between what March normally looks like for me versus what it looks like this year. Right. And, I was telling Jess off air that I had actually was supposed to interview the CEO of McLaren Thumb region up here in the Thumb for a for a news brief about the uh, coronavirus, but unfortunately that got canceled. So last night I actually went to a school board meeting, a special school board meeting regarding the situation. So believe it or not, I've had 
I've had my chances to cover news stuff, but hopefully that turns into sports stuff at some yes. point. Yeah. Um, but I will, what I will say is um, <clears throat> I, I was a bit disappointed to see the Marlins get rid of Sergio Romo last year. I mean, I know why they had to do it, but I, whenever I'd watch him close, especially against Detroit when he closed twice, he would throw this fork ball of some sort, and it's like, geez, this thing looks like he's throwing you something on a silver platter, and then every time the, the whatever batter would be would swing and miss or pop it up, it's like, geez, well, Romo's got that talent. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know what? He was, you talk about a funny guy with a ton of personality. Oh, my goodness, that is Sergio Romo. Sergio Romo has more personality in his thumb than most people have in their entire body. I mean, he is just fantastic and so much fun and so funny, and he did a great job mentoring um, our young arms in our bullpen. But like you said, you understand why the Marlins made that move. It is about getting players that are going to be a part of their long-term plan and they you know they were able to make a trade that they felt benefited their team in the long run um so you completely understand why uh they made that move but you know everybody wished nothing but the best for Sergio he was great to work with he was an awesome guy and uh we miss him but we're happy uh, that that everything worked out best for both sides both him and the Marlins Yes, yeah, so stockpile those draft picks like Al Avila is doing up here in Detroit. Hopefully, things will work out in two or three years. In fact, I'll have to, at some point, I'll have to send you in a, a YouTube clip of when Steve Stone from the White Sox was talking to Gary Thorne about the White Sox rebuild, and I saw some similarities there as well as Detroit as well as the Marlins. So that was a very good chat that he had. And we're going back quickly to the 2015 game. I remember Chris Davis had actually said to Gary Thorne while he was batting, I can hear you. <laughs> <coughs> so he had to go. So he had to go to a golf voice like this. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be really weird. In fact, one of my news stories was on Samarja saying that it wasn't too fun. And they, and thankfully I was on the mic when that news story popped up because well, so um, the people I work with up in news Sometimes don't ha don't know the pronunciations as well as they think they do. <laughs> I'm right. not trying. I'm not trying to call out my news people, but I'm saying Samarja's tough. But I knew that yeah. from years of watching him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we talked. We talked. We had talked about um, what's on the agenda right now. You had said you know going for walks at night, reading books, watching movies. Um, any book slash movie suggestions you have for the folks listening out there oh boy i've got a ton of them um if you like history uh yes. and you also like fiction i would highly recommend i'm a huge stephen king fan i love mm -hmm. stephen king he's one of my favorite authors i've read a ton of his books um but 11 63 is a fantastic read it's not horror it's not your typical stephen king horror novel it's actually about a guy who goes back in time and tries to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. It's incredibly, incredibly interesting, wow. and you can tell how much research Stephen King put into it. Uh, so I would highly recommend that. I'm a big Harry Potter fan, so I'm rereading the entire series because I've definitely got the time. So uh, Yeah, that'll get you through couple... the quarantine. <laughs> you what? That'll get you through the quarantine, reading all those yeah, books. Yeah, <laughs> that'll get you through. Um, 
I would recommend as far as binge watching, um, Parks and Recreation is one of my all-time favorite shows. Arrested Development, The Office, Thirty Rock, all of those great, uh, all of those great shows that were on NBC. Arrested Development was on Fox, uh, but all the rest of them I think were on NBC. And let's see, I, I finally last year finally finally watch Breaking Bad so that's always a good one if you've never seen that but yeah those are uh those are just a couple and my boyfriend and I are starting Ken Burns documentary on baseball I think it's a nine or ten part each uh each segment is two hours long so we're watching the the Ken Burns documentary on baseball that I believe came out in the 90s so that's uh they're making that available for people to stream for free right now so if you if you want to watch a good baseball history of baseball series, then I would definitely recommend that. Yes, I remember back in '09 when MLB Network debuted, they started with, well, of course, the first introductory show, and then the nine episodes or nine innings of Ken Burns's right. baseball. So right. very good, very good recommendations. Of course, for me, <clears throat> I like humor. I also like some nonfiction as well. Um, a Series of Unfortunate Events is actually one of my favorite series to read back when I was in <clears throat> going through school. And <clears throat> I was one that I could read anything, I couldn't retain it. So in school, I, I had a tough time with the school novels that I'm sure that you remember. Because I with all the quiz questions, sometimes I would retain something that isn't relevant, but what's relevant for the quiz... Why well, wouldn't have retained? So that was actually one of my problems going through school. But I like the series of unfortunate events, uh, the Pendragon series as well. I also like some nonfiction. In fact, I've got um, I've been reading the, of course, not going to go this route too much, but I like the uh, Bill O'Reilly series. I like Killing Lincoln, Killing Jesus, etc. I like that series as well. Uh, documentaries. I like watching. Some political documentaries, like once before I, I did the Variety Show last week, I watched a documentary on Black Hawk Down uh, okay. just before going on the show. Um, I've also watched some stuff on American History or American Heroes, Channel AHC, and of course um, American Restoration, American Pickers, Pawn Stars, so... I'm I'm more into that past the time stuff, I guess. <laughs> well, I can I can get on board with that. I I got a second degree uh, in college in history just for fun. So I got a journalism degree and then I got a, a history degree uh, just for fun because I loved history and I I took so many classes that I was close to getting a degree for it. So I just went for it. So I can totally get on board on the uh, nonfiction. I, I've got a ton of history books. Uh, that I kept from college, that I've just uh, acquired over the years. So I am, I am completely, completely in support of uh, all the the history novels, and and uh, I love biographies. Mm-hmm. Find them fascinating. So I can, I can definitely get on board with all the historical stuff. And of course, for humor, you gotta love uh, The Office. In fact, when I had pneumonia back in '09, my freshman year of high school. I was down on Christmas Day, of all days. I was down for a week and a half, killed my Christmas break, but I introduced myself to the office. So I still considered that time a win for me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is definitely a great show. <laughs> and, of course, some practical jokers, which off-air we had talked Jess has never seen yet, but now that I've mentioned it, 
She will at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'll check it out. So those are a few things to get through the quarantining time. So um, the other thing I have is um, any advice you have to have for us, those that are aspiring to get into the sports field or those that are working their way into it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've learned a ton of lessons along the way. There's so many things. There's so many lessons. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that I always tell people, probably some of the top three or four things that I tell people, um, number one, ultimately, trust and respect are earned, not given. Uh, you have to show people why you deserve to be respected, why you deserve to be trusted. You need to put in the hard work. Um, you need to be professional. You need you need to do all the things that, that show people that you deserve their trust and and respect and, and that you've earned it. And never walk into a new situation expecting people to automatically give me their trust and give me their, their respect. I want to know that I've earned it and that I've put in the work because then you know that, that when you get it, it's genuine. So uh, that's one thing I always say, that, that trust and respect are earned, not given. Uh, the second thing, take advantage of every opportunity that you get. Whether it's, you know, radio, whether it's print, whether it's TV, whether it's doing a podcast, whatever it may be, take every opportunity that is given to you and, and make the best of it because you never know how one thing may open the door for another thing. And you don't want to miss out. You know, all of your experiences make you better in the long run. I, I always wanted to do television, but I'm so glad that I spent five years in sports, in sports talk radio. I think it made me so much better, so much better as a reporter, as a host, learning to talk about multiple sports, it was a huge help for me. So, so definitely take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. Be your biggest fan and, and don't let other people determine your value or your self-worth, you know, especially in a day and age with social media where everyone can weigh in on how they feel about you and you're very accessible to people. If you rely on other people to determine your value and your self-worth, you're going to constantly be riding a roller coaster of emotions. Some days you're going to feel great about yourself. Some days you're going to crash and burn and not feel good. So only you have the power to determine how you feel about yourself. So, uh, you know, thank people for the good. Don't put too much stock in the bad. And at the end of the day, be your own biggest fan and know that if you worked hard, and you did the best job you could, that you can rest your head easy on the pillow, knowing that you put in a good day's work. Um, and the last thing I would say is just don't, don't try and compare yourself to anybody else. Everyone has such a unique path, such a unique journey in this business that you're never really going to come across someone who has the same story that you do, and that's okay. Everyone has their own unique path. So I would try really hard not to compare yourself to where other people are around you or how someone got their job or how someone got their opportunity. Know that your journey is going to be your own unique journey and it's going to look like exactly what it needs to look like to get you to where you need to go. So those are just some of the things that I would, sure. that I would say mm -hmm. to encourage anyone who is either currently in this business and looking to move ahead or is trying to break into this business. Very, very good points, and I'll say this is the 103rd podcast that I have done on Apple and all the major podcast sites, so it's taken me 
quite a bit to get some exposure. But believe it or not, this podcast actually got me hired at WLEW. That's great. Yeah, you see, you never know. You never know what opportunities may come from working hard and putting yourself out there and doing something different, right? Exactly. And all the all the networking I've done has helped. I as as you may have seen, I've run into so many different reporters that it seems right. to me that people that whatever I go to a game, people know me by name at this point. <laughs> right. But that's that's just me trying to, you know, get my name out there and try to fit in once I once I get in. <laughs> yeah. Which is fantastic, which is good. Mm-hmm. So very good points there. And uh, also, before I ask the last question, a shout out to the um, Cleveland Indians Tribe Onion Dog, because the Onion Dog actually photobombed us in the uh, photo we took last year. If you didn't see that, oh, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I, I never saw it until Tribe Dogs commented on the Instagram post. It's like, oh geez, she did bomb us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> we've talked a lot about um, the the coronavirus as well as the what the timetable for return is, which we do not know, as well as stuff to get around. So I will ask the famed final question of the show. Anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, follow all of uh, the advice and regulations that have been put into place. Be smart, self-quarantine, practice social distancing, because remember, the sooner that we can get everything under control the sooner hockey returns and baseball returns and basketball returns and the NFL gets going and all of these things that we love so much, all of these wonderful sports that have meant so much to all of us throughout the years and given us so many great memories. At the end of the day, you know, sports are so much fun and and we love them so much. But the most important thing is making sure that people are healthy and people are safe and uh, people can can get back to their lives in, in some sort of normal capacity. So just be smart, be safe, be happy, be healthy. And uh, we will hopefully see you very soon for uh, first pitch on opening day and uh, drop in the puck again for hockey. Yes, and I and I'll and I'll also add yes, stay safe. And if you're in the Miami area, and I've seen it advertised on the back of the scoreboard back in my in Miami, if you're if you feel sick, go to Leon Medical Center. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just if you don't feel good, go be smart, get it checked out. So much better to be safe rather than sorry. Exactly. So she is Jess Blaylock from FS Florida covering Marlins and Panthers. Would be interesting to see those two squads plate one another, but that's a different topic. <laughs> and this has been the Tom Green Podcast. <laughs>